Welcome to Hub City Homers, episode 13. We have a great show for you guys today. For those of you who might be newer listeners, my name is Michael. I'm here with Jack and Kendall. As a reminder, the fourth member of our team, Reed, works as a football manager and therefore cannot be a part of our football episodes. You'll hear more from him as we get out of football season. We have a pretty busy show. We'll try to move at a brisk pace. I know last week we got caught up in a recap mode. Kind of figures after last week. This week, whole different story. You're coming out the complete opposite in the spectrum, scoring an unexpected win over West Virginia in Morgantown. You also have the TCU Horn Frogs coming up Saturday in Lubbock at night in a blackout game for homecoming. You know, that we expect things to get weird. So we're going to dive in to both the recap and the preview of that TCU game. Without further ado, I'm just going to kind of get us moving along here. I'm going to go to Kendall first, and we're going to look at the recap first. Just seems fitting in order. Kendall, a lot has been said about Tech after Texas. You, you, you look at a team that you gave up 70 points. You know, there's, there's no beating around a bush with that. After West Virginia, in your – I mean, it's so hard to tell, but in your perspective, from your perspective, does Tech look like a team that is starting to put it together? Well, I think it's kind of hard to judge that yet, just because it's been like a week removed from that beating. But I think that the way that they responded is definitely a big step forward because we've seen Tech get the breaks beat off of them multiple times in the past couple years and we've seen no response in the following week and it was almost like just continued but this this game against West Virginia just felt a lot different from the jump it felt like there was a lot of energy there and a lot of just a lot different mindset going into the game which was surprising with all the injuries that Tech had in their secondary and Obviously, it seemed pretty random to losing Eric Azucama, and they were still able to go into Morgantown and pull out a win. That's definitely a step forward from what we've seen the past couple of years, and I think that it's very welcoming to see that in a Matt Wells coach team because we have not seen even a lick of that. It's like it's just I it's they're a way. F- further ahead than I feel like they've been in years past. And I think that with a win against TCU, I think I'm ready to say that I'm seeing a lot more improvement than I could have even expected going into this season. Jack, I'm going to ask you a slightly different version of that question since I think Kendall's leads us to the next, you know, logical thought. You can't, it's hard to tell what this Tech team is after Texas and West Virginia, two completely opposite outcomes. But from your perspective, which game do you learn more from? What happened in Austin or what happened in Morgantown? I think personally, I learned more about this team from what happened in Morgantown. Because, yeah, you know, you got the, as Kendall said, you got the brake speed off you down in Austin, which is embarrassing. It was embarrassing for the whole program. It was embarrassing for the university. But you come back again on the road at Morgantown. You are on your second string quarterback 
for the year, technically, you're on your second string running back, even though we all know Sir Roderick's the number one if he was healthy full-time. But so far, Taj Brooks had been the guy. And then uh, Ezukama's out as well. Uh, So you, you come with basically your top three offensive guys hurt. And then you have one of your top defensive guys in uh, Muddy Waters out for the season. And then you have a, a couple of other guys here and there on the defense that are struggling to get healthy. So I, I learned a lot more personally from the win in Morgantown. Uh, yeah, you know, everyone can go back and harp on the one in Austin. We gave up 70 points. It was really bad on defense. It was pretty bad on offense also. But a win on the road in Morgantown is not something to shake your head about. It's it's pretty important. And even though if even if we look back on this season after it's done and West Virginia finishes near the bottom, Morgantown's a tough place to play. It always has been. And I don't think that's changing anytime soon, regardless of if West Virginia stays in the Big 12 down the road or if they leave. Uh, I think West Virginia is one of the tougher places to play in the country. So having having a couple wins on the road at West Virginia and uh, all of that, it's pretty impressive to me. And uh, for some reason, Matt Wells has Neil Brown's number and Henry Columbia has this West Virginia defense's number. So I'm not going to question it at this point, but uh, I'm pretty satisfied with what I've seen the past uh, three times we played West Virginia, which is uh, 3-0. I have waffled back and forth with, you know, the question, both questions. You know, what do we, what do we think of Tech? Can we really learn anything right now? Do we know where Tech is as a team and which game is more important to think about? Um, on the one hand, I don't think 70 points in Austin made any sense. I think when we look back over the course of this season, that will be an outcome that no one understands. Uh, I think that the reality of the situation is, is you just came out unprepared and you were shell-shocked on national television in Austin. That, that, that is what it is. So on the one hand, I don't think that that game is going to be representative of the larger course of the season, nor what the defense can do. On the flip side of that is, is there is some degree of Texas largely just ran at you. You know, you, you were asked to stop a physical run game and were completely unable to. There are a lot of physical run games in the Big 12. Uh, West Virginia is not one of the better offense in the conference. In fact, they're arguably the worst. Maybe Kansas is, is a bit worse, just for the sake of supposing. But I don't even really consider Kansas in the in the Big Twelve at this point. You know, they're just so much farther behind everybody else. But you know, they're the the bad offenses ahead are TCU, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. TCU of this week. These are all run offenses. Um, I learn a lot from the fact that Texas faced a really good back with a pretty good offensive line and was basically run over. Um, On the flip side of that, you come into West Virginia, which is one of the stronger defensive teams. Now, for the sake of being, you know, a Debbie Downer, it is important to note, I don't know what West Virginia's defensive game plan in the first half 
but it had to have been some combination of we think Columbia can't complete eight yard routes. I mean, they were backing off 10, 11 yards off the ball on third and six. It just, I don't know what was going on in the first half. Uh, when they tightened up, the offense struggled more. There were still some good drives late, including the game winning drive. Um, but, you know, outside of that, even considering that, what Tech showed against West Virginia is at bare minimum is something Kendall talked about and uh, Jack alluded to. It's just there was something different about the mentality of this team to go into Morgantown and get a win with, you know, everything to lose this week, you know, your coach's job very much in the balance. Um, The goals you kind of set out for the season, you know, really putting up a show against Texas, maybe trying to compete for the upper part of the big 12 there. They looked completely gone after the, after the Austin week. Um, And they really showed some toughness. I have, I know everybody's excited after the win. I have a lot of questions about a lot of things um, that happened in that game. Things that worry me immensely going forward. But I don't think one of the things that you have to worry about this Tech team at least is it's apparent that they're not going to quit on the season. So on the field, I think you learn a lot from what happened or what didn't happen um, from both games. But I think the biggest lesson takeaway from these past two weeks is this team is going to keep battling as the year goes out. And I don't know if that'll lead to more wins, but I don't think you'll see a tech team that retreats to its corner and gives up, which is what has happened a lot in the past for tech teams when the season's gotten out of hand. They've gone on big losing streaks. It's felt like they just can't stop the bleeding. Um, This tech team really has a chance to make a statement on Saturday. We're going to get a little bit more in particular to this game. I alluded to something that I want to. I, I think is important to note, um, which is, um, did West Virginia, you know, show what will and won't work against Columbia? But I think the biggest question that comes out offensively is, Columbia was great in this game. He largely made the right decision. Very few mistakes. Jack, when you look at Columbia, how? much of his success do you think he can sustain as we go forward? I think he can do a lot. Uh, As I said, I mentioned before, I have the utmost respect for Henry Columbia just because of his situation uh, when Alan Bowman was a starting quarterback here at Tech. Uh, You know, he stayed and kind of camped out and learned the offense and uh, – as soon as Alan Bowman went down, you know, he was there ready for uh, action. It's kind of one of the same things, you know, Uh, Tyler Shuck transfers in and, uh, you know, he gets hurt, unfortunately. And lo and behold, there's Henry Columbia uh, just there waiting to be, you know, the backup and he's ready to go in. And sure enough, first start, first true start, there he is for the win. Um, I think Henry Columbia knows uh, this off, or kind of knew the offense with Yost, but that's again what impressed me a lot about last week with the win at West Virginia is uh, he obviously knew the offense under David Yost because that was his OC when he started at Utah State when when all of them were there with Wells and company, and this game 
in Morgantown uh, with Cumbie as the offense coordinator. You know, he kind of took over and still did pretty well. So uh, I think I think Columbia is very good at learning on the fly. He's a quick learner, and uh, he can he can use he can use this offense to his advantage very well. Um, I think that as long as he has a competent running back in the backfield and as long as, as long as Sir Roderick stays healthy and, uh, hopefully we get Taj back pretty soon and, uh, Chad back there also helps. So I think, uh, I think that Columbia can sustain this for a while and, you know, it's kind of a good problem to have, but I'm hoping that once Shuck returns and is healed from his injury, uh, we actually have a quarterback controversy going into the final maybe week or two of the year that we actually have to sit down and talk about who we think might be the quarterback because Henry's done such a good job. I, I don't want to take too much away from Columbia with my note about West Virginia's defense because at the end of the day, what I want everyone to think about when they think about Columbia's performance thus far is it's been as good as anything you could have asked for. Um, there have been times where you know he has made the wrong decision or held the ball too long, but I think that there is something to note for the fact that maybe Columbia just is better at this offense than Shuck is. Um, I don't think Columbia's better than Shuck as a quarterback. Um, I think Shuck has some mental processing problems. He doesn't seem, the game seems to move kind of fast for him, but there's no doubt he's the better all-around athlete and pure passer. And I think you could coach him up mentally. But Columbia kept this quarterback contest with a guy that much better than him physically because of stuff we're seeing on the field. You know, Cumbie wants to call a traditional air raid, you know, kind of mentality. You spread the field, you make quick underneath throws underneath, you move the ball down the field. When you get a shot downfield, you take it. Um, mixed in now with something he's picked up from his years of coaching terrible quarterbacks at TCU, he's picked up the RPO game. You know, what do you do if you have a quarterback who may not necessarily have all the arm talent in the world, but has got some wheels on him? You add a third thing for defenses to worry about. And that's what we've seen work for Tech. I mean, it, I pointed this out on Twitter and it bears repeating there is a reason why we couldn't go empty with shuck he just couldn't get the ball out of his hand he, he fundamentally defenses tightened up and he couldn't get the ball out of his hand and he was getting sacked every time he dropped back into it columbia that ball's out of his hand about in a second you know he it's he makes his decision he throws the ball west virginia helped throughout the first half by backing way the hell off when they tightened up a bit, you saw columbia have to work a bit harder but then when in the fourth quarter when you needed a couple big series Cumby realized, okay, well, they're no longer just giving us 10 yards, so let's get back to the RPO game some more, and then that's how you continue to move the ball. So I think the offense has found what's going to work. If teams want to press up and try to force you, you know, to either go behind them or to, um, you know, beat them with Columbia's arm or Columbia's decision-making, I should say, you know, the, the, then you've got you've got to adjust and you got to run a little bit more RPO concepts and force defenses to respect multiple aspects. You want to back up a bit? Okay, well, we'll take the underneath. Columbia has led drives for Tech. I think Shuck cumulatively in three games led maybe two actual drives. That isn't to say that Shuck was bad. It's just Tech's offense looks to be driving better. 
And I think that if Columbia is playing like this and Tech is winning, because all that matters at the end of the day is winning, and you get Shuck back in a few weeks, he's obviously not going to play. Um, in fact, I, I would be highly, highly surprised if we see Tyler Shuck as a Red Raider again, especially if Columbia's playing like this, because you have to ride the hot hand that's working. Kendall, on the different side of the off- offensive side, Ezekama's out, Taj Brooks is out. You're looking for somebody on offense, you know, to make a play. What did you think about the receiving course performance against West Virginia? That And who stood out for you amongst that group? Well, I think that I've, for where we started this season, you know, we talked about going into the season and even early on through the first three games, you know, who was going to step up for Tech in the receiving core outside of Ezukama. And this week, both Kalen Geiger and Luke Fungi, or sorry if I butchered that, but they were both phenomenal this week. And Geiger, especially the past couple weeks, has really been standing out. And I think it might have just taken him a couple weeks to really get settled into the offense. But I think that performance that the receiving core put on this week was just years light years ahead of where I would have expected them and I think for Columbia that's the best case scenario is that he has these playmakers stepping up now for when Ezukama comes back because between teams not being or not stack being able to stack the box because we have more weapons outside that leaves more room for Sir Roderick Thompson, Taj Brooks when he's back, and Columbia to even run the ball. And I think that this receiving core just in a couple weeks has taken so many steps to really make the offense just flow easier. And I think that especially in these next couple weeks, it's really going to open up the offense even more, assuming Ezukama's back soon and I think that once we get to see them all together I think we're going to see the best tech offense I think that's still to come flipping to the defensive side of the ball because I want to keep moving this recap along Jack there were questions about the defense I mentioned you know you were run on by what is the most one-dimensional Texas offense in a very long time um you're coming against West Virginia which Basically was just an awful offense, but they were largely only going to find success on the ground as long as Jarrett Diggie's a quarterback. You know, what change that allowed Tech to stand strong against West Virginia for large parts of this game? I think you had a defense that actually had a chip on its shoulder. Uh, Through the first three games, all this defense heard about was how good they were. And, uh, oh, you know, they held Houston to nothing in the second half or, you know, they held FIU to nothing in the first half or whatever it was. All they heard was how good they were. And, you know, you you gave up 21 points to Houston, 22 to SFA, and 21 to FIU. Pretty good. Uh, but then you got to remember – SFA and FIU are pretty much, you know, predominantly FCS. So it's not anything that's that's not really a stat that's worth anything. So 
you've been told all season how good you are, and then all of a sudden you play a team that's worth the part of my language again, the team that's worth a shit, and you gave up seventy points. So I think I think kind of the defense was probably tired about hearing how bad they were. Uh, I think they had a little chip on their shoulder, like I said, and I think that you know some negative press goes a long way. You know, uh, Keith Patterson heard about heard probably for about six days about how bad he was as an as a defensive coordinator. Uh, the D line heard about how they gave up three hundred and thirty yards on the ground. Uh, so did the linebackers. They. All the entire defense heard about how many tackles they missed. That does a little bit. It kind of pisses you off a little bit. So, you know, again, they heard about how they gave up zero points in the first half against West Virginia. West Virginia's offense is trash. Let me just go ahead and throw this out there. Letty Brown is a great running back when he has support in the passing game from a quarterback. Jarrett Dagey is a terrible quarterback. There is a reason that Texas Tech did not recruit him while he was sitting here in Lubbock, while Cliff was here. Cliff has only Cliff only has a good reputation of recruiting quarterbacks, and there is a reason that he didn't give Jarrett Dagey the time of day, and it's because he wasn't worth the time of day, as we've seen him at West Virginia. He is terrible. So when you know that an offense is one-dimensional, then you can kind of prepare for that. Again, I kind of think we're seeing something similar coming in with this TCU team that's coming into Lubbock. Max Duggan cannot throw the ball over 10 yards. He is terrible. We on the Viva staff have a very big debate right now going on about who the worst quarterback in the Big 12 is, and it's pretty much a tie between Max Duggan and Spencer Sanders. Uh... Max Duggan is very bad. Uh, He can pretty much only run the ball on an RPO, and if he throws the ball, it's not over 10 yards. So this defense really needs to sit in, protect those short slants, and kind of almost dare him to throw the ball deep. And, you know, if he goes out and torches us for 450 yards this week, I'll, I'll, you know, bite the bullet and say, you know, my bad. But I just don't think he can do it. But as I said, this tech defense right now should be sitting in on the run for Evans and Max Duggan because Max Duggan cannot throw the ball over 10 yards. The problem I have with Tech's defense right now is because I think that why Texas was so shocking was how it happened. You expected the secondary to give, you know, to, to, to be a problem. When the front five, six guys were just bullied like that against Texas. It was extremely alarming. Uh, I'm willing to even say, let's chalk that up to a, just a bad game, bad preparation, bad pregame meal, whatever. Because we have, I mean, against a West Virginia team that was going to try to run the ball at you a lot, they were just unable. The problem is, is what West Virginia's solution was in the second half was just to throw to wide open receivers running free in the secondary. Uh, look, Jared Daggy's a terrible quarterback. Max Duggan is probably worse, but it, it's not hard to hit guys who don't have anybody within seven yards of them. 
And that's a lot of what we're seeing. We don't know what the situation is the back end with these injuries. I know we know Marquise Waters is done. I don't know if we've heard anything about Reggie Pearson, about any of these other guys who've gone down and dinged up over the course of the last couple of weeks. Um, we're thin back there, thinner than we were to start the year. It's a credit to Matt Wells that this team has been able to sustain all these injuries for as long as they have without it really showing up on other aspects. But you you were thin to start in the secondary. You are paper thin now. Um, I, I think in West Virginia, we were an injury away from a walk-on running out there. Uh, you know, those guys got it burnt badly against West Virginia. If Jarrett Dagey was not the quarterback for the Mountaineers, if they had any competent quarterback back there, West Virginia probably could have ran away with that game. Um, they honestly had at least two more chances at touchdowns that he just missed because he's awful. So there are, I have serious concerns about the secondary, but what I think went well for the defense this week was there was a, there, there was a downhill mentality that just wasn't really there against Texas for a lot of the game. They played very, very hard. They came down hard. Everything was done with a purpose. You know, you're going to be what you're going to be on the back end. I think Keith Patterson is going to call the game he calls. We saw a bit more pressure against West Virginia, still not a lot. Um, you know, you're just you're going to be what you're going to be on that part of the ball. So what I think the defense just has to continue to do is play hard, play with the purpose, and – you know, I, Jack mentions this. Duggan's not going to be a threat to going long against most secondaries. You just have to get home, force him to beat you, beat you with his arm, and he may be able to do it. You know, you your secondary, if it says dinged up as it is, it may not be able to stop TCU just getting behind you. But you know, Duggan is the one quarterback that you're going to play for the rest of the year that I feel very comfortable in. He's going to miss as many of those deep balls as he throws. So. Just you have to worry about what you can control. And what you can control is just do you come down with a purpose looking like you're going to make a play? Too often against Texas, it just didn't look like they wanted to make plays. Um, Once the game started to, you know, go the way it was going, you saw a bunch of guys who were just afraid to make plays. And that can't – you have to come down hard every snap, and I think that they're going to do that going forward. I think they found that mentality again. And that's – going to be the difference in this game um, coming up. And it was the difference against West Virginia is you made the handful of plays you needed to late to stave off a ferocious comeback, even as the wheels came off in the secondary. Um, We're going to pivot now to TCU because I think the West Virginia game and the Texas game, to me, they end up evening each other out. You end up with a lot of questions. You have some hope. You have reasons to be negative, but we're going to learn a ton about this tech team against TCU. Um, this is where Tech has a chance to set itself up for a pretty fantastic finish down the stretch. Um, if they can get to 6-1, and one, clearing TCU in Kansas, there are winnable games late, and I think they could get some of them. You lose this TCU game, you lose your momentum, it could get a little harder. <clears throat> so, Kendall, we're looking at TCU. We've talked about Doug, and I'm going to start on the back end. Gary Patterson's always been known as a defensive coach. That's always been his MO. TCU has, for the most part of his tenure, not had a great, or I shouldn't say that, for the most part of the last five years, has had not good offenses, but still stout upper crust Big 12 defenses. When you're looking at TCU this year, what are you seeing defensively? 
I mean, last week against Texas, uh, B. John Robinson, obviously, I mean, he was going to have his way with their defense, but I feel like there was a lot of times where TCU did a good job uh, against Robinson. There was definitely points where uh, that I felt they did a lot that Tech couldn't do against them, which Tech obviously could not do much of anything against Bijan. But really, they they weren't anything crazy defensively. Their pass defense was phenomenal. Like they they strictly made Bijan Robinson beat them, but. The thing is, Bijan was able to beat them. And I think that Tech is definitely going to need to be able to do a lot better throwing the ball than Texas was if they're going to have a chance because we can't really lean on Sir Roderick. And also, there's not a lot of depth behind him right now for us to fall back onto. So it's going to be us finding areas in the past game to really open up that run game. But really... They, their run defense is their weakness, but I didn't necessarily think it was that much of a weakness against Texas. I actually felt that really it was just Bijan Robinson doing what he does and making TCU's life hell. But I personally feel like we're going to have to have a really good offensive game to open up the field. And I do think those little eight wrap, the RPOs that Tech was running all last week, that, that needs to carry over this week because that just opened up the offense so much and I have no idea why Tech moved away from it in the second half against West Virginia but they cannot afford to do that against TCU because it is the only thing that I think that could really work is to give them something to think about with the RPO I come out of the West Virginia game and I'm thinking back on my comments and I sound negative and the reason why I do is because when you look at a team like TCU that's struggling on both sides of the ball, and I look at how Tech beat West Virginia, I, I I worry Tech gets a false sense of confidence and you have what happened at Texas, where you were coming in with a lot of momentum, with a lot of hype compared to some previous meetings between those teams, and you lay an egg. So if I can dampen the spirits of this team a little bit and make them focus, I've done my part. No, but for real, the real reason I, I sound negative is because when I look you, when I look at West Virginia and TCU, I see two teams that you know are going to be in the same spot in the Big Twelve hierarchy. You got by West Virginia in what is admittedly kind of a fluky win. Um, they didn't give away the game. I don't buy that. But you got some breaks that you hadn't gotten against other teams earlier this year, and that was a lot of the difference in that game. Um, you weren't the worst coach team on the field for the first time in what feels like a bajillion years. Uh, Neil Brown really sucked it up. Gary Patterson is having himself a year. Um, I mean, his defensive unit's terrible. I, I, I don't, I don't want to sugarcoat this because I don't like TCU, and I think that if Tech is going to win this game, where it's going to be done is attacking a very bad TCU defense. They look completely lost. The secondary's bad. They're bad in run support. They just, this is a TCU team that I'm not even certain that they're less talented than the defense we saw, you know, last year, two years ago. I don't know what's going on, but Gary Patterson's having a hell of a year. So, where I think Tech can take the most, you know, make the most of its um, openings is against this TCU defense. Um, 
you know, they're they against Texas. When I was watching that game, the thing that came to mind is just these are tackles that in years past TCU doesn't miss. Bijan Robinson is a fantastic back. There were moments where they had three or four guys around him, and in years past, it does not matter what kind of back you're running into that mesh. It, they're being gang tackled. This time, one guy would arm tackle, the other juke entirely. I don't know what happened to either two guys. They just fell over. Um, you know, and then that's what I, it looked like. Tech doesn't have Bijan Robinson, but what Tech does have is a ton of offensive weapons to attack that. So um, the reason why I think I'm going to learn more from TCU than I am West Virginia is because I think West Virginia was like not ready to play. You know, they were like Tech in that Texas game. They were not ready to play in the first half. So we only got one half of really good football from them. I'm looking for this Tech team to put together a complete game against a overmatched TCU defense. Against West Virginia, we were I'll, – I'll give, I'll give the fourth quarter some credit. Two and a half quarters of good offense against a defense that was kind of out of sorts. Against TCU, I want to see four quarters of really dominant offensive play. You know, this is a time to do it. If you're ever going to do it to a Big 12 opponent like TCU, it's got to be Saturday. You know, they are on their heels. But it, it, it can be said that, um, you know, of all the things I dislike about Gary Patterson, I don't think he's a bad coach. He's going to try to make adjustments. He's going to try to fix what's wrong. I just It's going to be on Cumbie, and it's going to be on Columbia and the backs to keep TCU honest and let the playmakers and the, and the receiving core shine. Um, that's that's going to be the difference in this game, this matchup right here. And, Jack, I'm going to go to you here. We're now we're going to flip the page to TCU offensively. Um, they're not good on the offense side of the ball either. Go figure. Uh, they, they have struggled a lot with basically every aspect of football this season. They have not looked good more often than not. You know, the, the problem could be Duggan. The problem could be the co- play calling. There, there, there's a lot to be said about what TCU's doing wrong. When you look at TCU, you know, just for the sake of playing devil's advocate, what do they do right that Tech has to defend in order to get the win on Saturday? Well, to be honest, it's not much. They don't do a whole lot right. Um, Zach Evans at running back is, he's not bad. Uh, you know, for what, for what TCU typically has in the backfield, he's about right on par for the course. Uh, you know, he averages about eight yards a carry so far this year, which, you know, on paper looks really good. But again, I mean, before the Texas game, he averaged about 13 or 14 yards. So it went down about four yards statistically for an entire season in one game. Uh, TC really hadn't played anyone before Texas. Uh, and they got, they got really ran by their better counterparts across the, uh, Metroplex in SMU a week before that. Um, I think in that, in Texas, you kind of need to look and study that SMU game and you kind of need to study the UT game as well. So just see what happened. See what kind of play call they had. Uh, like you said, or like you alluded to, Max Duggan is really not good um, at really anything. He can't really throw the ball over 10 yards, and uh, on most RPOs that he has when he pulls the ball and decides to pass, he ends up scrambling uh, on about 45% of the plays. 
Uh, so I think if you're tech defense, you kind of need to, like I said earlier, you kind of need to sit in on Evans and Duggan just running the ball. Um, when Duggan does decide to pass, it's typically less than 10 yards. So uh, one of those things that I noticed, at least in the SFA game and in the FIU game, when I was at the Jones watching those games, was that Tech gave up a lot of these intermediate, you know, uh, four to eight yard, like little slants, like intermediate slants over the middle or towards little four to eight yard outs uh, towards the sideline. And that's something that uh, this defense really needs to prepare for because that's pretty much their bread and butter when they're not running the ball. Uh, Like I said, their top wide receiver doesn't even have 200 yards of receipt, 200 receiving yards on the year. Uh, their top wide receiver right now has 10 catches for 198 yards on the season. And one of his catches was a 60 yard bomb. So you take that away, then he only has nine catches for 138 yards. So like I said, their receivers do not have a lot of impressive stats because it's just one of those things where the quarterback really doesn't have a decent arm down the field. So I would be more pressed to look at these short passes towards the sideline, maybe intermediate slants and uh, just the run. Mostly if I had to uh, be blunt about it. Now I mentioned this in my last little blurb. I've been negative here. You know, I want to temper my expectations after the West Virginia win more than anything else, but here's where I'm going to get, you know, maybe probably a little Homer colored glasses. I would take Henry Columbia over Max Duggan in a heartbeat. I mean, it, it, it's it's not even a discussion for me. We've watched Max Duggan now for, what are we, year three? And he's not gotten any better. I mean, he's arguably regressed in every category. This season, he's averaging about three yards a carry. Almost all of those yards came against a very bad Cal team. And otherwise, been non-existent. He's not throwing the ball at a particularly great clip. And his the one good game he's had completion-wise, he was averaging something like 6.9 yards per throw. I mean, it just, it's just an embarrassing effort from the quarterback. So give me Columbia any day of the week. And this is where I mentioned that I think TCU's defense is something you can really expose. Um, the reason why I'm not saying the same about TCU's offense is because I got to see Tech control a mobile quarterback. I thought the same thing about Duggan last year. And I was right then, too, by the way, 100% correct. He was not good for the rest of the year, wasn't particularly good against that Tech team. But what he did do was he ran for like 135 yards in that game. He And most importantly, he broke off a huge run at the end of the game to basically put it away. I want to see Tech control a mobile quarterback. That's what I want to see. If you keep Duggan in the pocket and you make him throw the ball, you know, like I mentioned, it's going to be what it's going to be for your back end. You will give up big receivers running free. I want to make Duggan complete those passes. Because so far this year, I read a TCU preview that, that summed it up pretty nicely from the Frogs of War folks. They've been crowing all year, you know, stop going deep. He can't complete those balls. So they've been going intermediate and short. He's thrown those in the dirt is, is the quote. They also said he throws a beautiful deep ball to no one. You know, it just... If I'm going to lose this game, I want it to be because Max Duggan beat me through the air. You know, I, I think Jack mentioned this. If he does that, you know, against Tech secondary, I, I just got to throw up my hands and say, oh, well, 
You know, we knew that this was a possibility that you just can't cover in the back end. They don't have any receivers that scare me. I mean, it's just, if I'm going to lose this game, I want it to be because Max Duggan beat you with his arm. The one thing I don't want to see happen is if Gary Patterson, you know, is able to beat Matt Wells this season, I don't want it to be because Max Duggan ran for 200 yards. You know, I don't want it to be because Zach Evans and Duggan combined for 300 on the ground. Zach Evans is a phenomenal back. Against, with most programs, he'd be one of the better backs in the country. I think he's every bit as good as Bijan, if I'm being honest. I think he is. Um, the reason why he doesn't get a ton of press is something's going on with him. There was a ton of times he's tapping into the Texas game. Um, I Gary Patterson's saying something about load management, tired, whatever the case. Something's not right there. But he is a phenomenal back. Um, and he's a special, very special back. A lot of them, the Big 12, you know, Tech will have to worry about him. But the biggest threat to Tech this year or for against this TCU team is Max Duggan running the ball. Um, if he finds that, it just opens up a lot of what they want to do offensively, and that's going to make it far harder to put away a bad TCU team than it would be otherwise. If you contain Duggan, I feel reasonably confident you're going to come out of this game with a multi-score victory. I do want to create a little bit of controversy and go to Kendall with this question. Kendall, you you by now have probably heard Gary Patterson whine about every loss he's taken this year. I mean, it, it's become legendary, his whining. But there is one comment in particular I want to talk about, and that's the comment he made about Zach Evans and Bijan Robinson. Basically, to sum it up for those who didn't hear it, what he said was, is, I would never run a guy as much as they ran Bijan. I believe Bijan broke 30 carries in that game. Zach Evans, I think, had 15 or 18. A, a normal workload, but nowhere near the amount I think TCU fans would want him to get the ball. Gary said, it's basically, it's all about player health. I'd never do that. I want this guy to be here four years healthy. You know, sustain his, his, his lifetime as a running back. Kendall, how much of that is sour grapes, and how much of that is there some truth to what Gary Patterson said about load managing these running backs? Uh, I think it's BS. Uh, there was a I can't remember what bowl game it was a couple years ago. It was that sh- I think it was that shitty Cheez It Bowl against Cal or whatever, where the score was ten to three. They had a running back run the ball thirty two times, and I think that that's just that's so BS. Like, yes, I it's not ideal to run your running back 35, 40 times a game, but to be giving your running back thirteen the ball 13 times a game when he is by far your best playmaker. That's just, that's inexcusable in my opinion. That's just a bad game plan because the only thing that was working for TCU against Texas was giving Zach Evans the ball. And it would be a little more understandable if they were getting him more involved in the past game. But like Jack said, they, they really aren't. He's not even one of their top pass catchers. It makes no sense. That would be like with our running backs, we at least have Brooks and Sir Roderick, so we can split that up. But when you have a guy like Evans, it was this exact problem that Texas had last year and not using Bijan. TCU is doing the same thing with Zach Evans, and their offense could have so many more dimensions if they just commit to even giving him the ball 20 or 25 times a game. Like that load management stuff in college. You're saying this, you want your guys there for four years, but 
if the guy is a talent, he's not going to be there for four years. So I personally think that that was just a BS answer from Patterson, honestly. I'd like to carry, I'd like to carry on on that and uh, just throw out there just a little bit of comparison uh, from last year's Texas squad to this year's TCU squad. This is eerily similar to the Bijan Robinson, Sam Ellinger uh, backfield that Texas had last year. And if we want to be blunt about it, Tom Herman got fired because he didn't hand the ball off to Bijan Robinson enough. I think on the one hand, I think coming from most coaches, there could be some, some truth to this to the degree that running backs have a shelf life. The more you run a running back, the, the shorter his long-term career would be. And there's something to be said about the fact that running Bijan 30-plus times a game is going to end his NFL career in like four years. On the flip side, on the flip side of that, coming from Gary Patterson, this was chicken shit. And it's more of the same crap from him. He would never have said this if somebody asked him after the game, you know, why'd you run Zach Evans 30 times and Bijan 14? You know, if he was in um, Sark shoes. And Texas had managed to win whatever, you know, and it, it, it just he's only going to say crap like this when he loses because he's a whiner. You know, I've really come around to the idea that Gary Patterson, I don't care how good of a coach he is. It would drive me nuts to have him as my head coach. He's not crazy. He's just a big baby. He's the biggest sore loser in the conference. So he didn't mean this genuinely. Something was wrong with Zach Evans. Something's going on with him and Gary Patterson. Zach Evans was tapping himself out of the game a lot. I don't know if he was coming off of, you know, like a flu or what the situation was. But if Zach Evans had been 100%, because I don't think he was in this game, I guarantee Gary Patterson would have run him 25 times. Um, And then you're just talking, splitting hairs, talking about a few extra carries. The other thing about this that I find disingenuous is the idea that he's care- he was worried about Zach staying for four years. He can't possibly be worried about that. You know, that was that was a little, um, like, I, I just, it, it, I don't know how to describe that other than being like a little wink-wink, nudge-nudge to recruits. Like, hey, like, I'm going to help you have the best career at TCU. I'm not going to wear you out. Whatever. I, I, I've heard all those arguments, and I, I think there's some truth to them. But at the end of the day, he said this because he lost to B. John Robinson, and he wanted an excuse for why he didn't use the same strategy. He, he made an excuse. I think there are a lot of coaches in football who could come out right now and say, look, you know, my policy is I'm not going to run our backs more than 17 times individually a game. I just don't believe in it. I don't think it's necessary. You know, I hope to have a deep enough backfield that I don't have to. Gary Patterson's not one of them. Because first and foremost, all football coaches care about is winning a game. And it's apparent TCU's only going to win if Max Duggan and Zach Evans combine for 300 yards. So I I think there are some coaches who could have said this and made a genuine statement about the health of running backs. Gary Patterson said it because he needed to explain why he lost. He lost because he didn't hand the ball off to Zach Evans more often. He lost because Zach Evans was, I think he threw the kid under the bus, said he was tired. Um... I mean, he just, he's making excuses. It's more of the same nonsense after SMU beat his ass and planted the flag. Um, I, I, 
I don't like Gary Patterson for any number of reasons. This is one in a long one. All the bullshit he said about tech over the years is just getting gotten more and more out of hand and more outlandish every year. Um, he's just a thoroughly unlikable guy. I don't think he's a bad guy, as in like morally corrupt, like maybe an Urban Meyer. He's just unlikable. I he just he's it's intolerable to listen to him after a loss. Do y'all do y'all think that uh, there are going to be more frozen water bottles thrown at Gary Patterson this weekend when it's uh, eighty five degrees at kickoff, like he mentioned after the last time he played in Lubbock? Because I think there might be. Honestly, at this point, I hope somebody throws one at him just so that like there could be some truth to something he said about Tech. You know, if he's going to keep saying it, at some point, somebody's just going to throw one at him because we know it didn't happen last time. So, like, all right, you know, you're not gonna. You know, you're going to keep saying it no matter what we do. Might as well, you know, get the money out of it. Um, Look, I've seen Tech fans throw stuff. I was there when they threw empty water bottles at Baker. You know, I I, I was there. Now, in in the crowd's defense, Baker was asking for it. He taunted the crap out of the student section until they responded. It was not unprovoked. But um, I, I don't like that a guy like that can keep making shit up about Tech. And nobody respond to it because they just, you know, they they can't. Because the, it's not possible that somebody had a frozen water bottle and threw it at him. It just, I, oh God, I really don't like Patterson. He's become probably my least favorite coach in the conference, which is hard to do because I don't like Baylor as a rule. So I tend not to like anybody they've got over there. But, you know, I it's hard to dislike Dave Aranda. It's really easy to hate Gary Patterson. But enough about Patterson, because we are coming to the end of our show. And we do have a little bit more to get to. Jack, you're talking about a lot about um, you know, playing with a little bit of an edge, playing with a chip on your shoulder, you know, playing like a team that wants to win as opposed to a team that's playing scared. What are you looking for from tech against TCU? that'll prove to you that this team has the, the mental wherewithal to get through this season and get to some of these goals that have to happen for Matt Wells to come back. I'm looking for a team to play for its head coach, as you said. I'm looking also for a team to play, to be very blunt about it, I'm looking for a team to play like it's pissed off. Like, you know, you you went through the first three games, and yeah, those teams were cupcake teams. No offense to any of those three teams, but they were. Um, you ended up way too close to SFA, and uh, FIU, you finally kind of flexed your muscles a little bit, but you didn't flex them at all against Texas, and you came out with a last-second field goal against West Virginia. And I'm not saying that any of the rest of these Big 12 games will be blowouts. But I'm looking for a team to play. I'm looking for this Texas Tech team to play four quarters of consistent football. I still don't think I've seen it this season through five games. And it's almost frustrating because we've talked about all offseason and through the first three or four, or the first three, really, about how this is our most experienced team we've had in five or six years and you know, we could easily win seven games and go to a bowl and whatnot. I'm ready for this team to prove that. I I haven't seen it. I'll be quite honest. I haven't seen it. I've seen an I've seen a defense play one half and then let up twenty in the second or let up 
24 in the second. Um, I've seen an offense put up, you know, 35 and a half and then just let off the gas and only let and only score 14 in the second against a D2 school. So, you know, I, I'm looking for a team that can play four quarters of consistent football. Uh, like I said, to be quite honest, we haven't seen it yet. Uh, this team needs to play pissed off because when this team plays pissed off, they're a lot better than when they just show up kind of expecting the game to go whichever way it goes. So team needs to be pissed off. They need to respond to Wells. I think West Virginia was the first game that they actually responded and played a decent first half all season. And I think they need to do it again. They need to go out and put about 21 points at least in the first half and step on TCU's throat. And when it's time to end it, they need to step on it even harder and end it. Um, mentally, I'm just looking for this team. Like I said, I mentioned it a couple times. And I'm going to say it one more time. Team needs to play pissed off. And uh, I just think they're a lot better when they do. Just quite up front, they're a lot better when they are mad. I'm going to move us into the final closing second of the show, which is prediction and um, goal post for the rest of the year. I'll ask each of you the same question. So my prediction for this Saturday night game, with all this being said, I like Tech in this game. As negative as I am about the win in West Virginia, I think that TCU matches up even better than West Virginia did with Tech because they just are bad at basically everything. Um, you know, this is going to be a team that finishes – seventh or eighth in the conference. If Tech wants to make a case that they're not, you know, ninth, this is where they make the move up the ladder. Um, I'm going to take Tech in this game, and I honestly, I I think it could get out of hand. I think Tech could win this game comfortably, but I'm going to temper that a bit, understanding that if Tech's secondary is as danged up as it could be, even Duggan could find his guys deep. So I'm going to say this ends up being, let's call it, 45-35. 45-35. I think Tech can win by 10. And that's assuming that both of these defenses struggle, but Tech gets just a, a few more stops. Um, as for where I'm at with the rest of the season, I think eight wins is very doable. But it starts Saturday. If you drop that game against TCU, you are going to be in for a world of hurt. Because um, I think that'll answer the question definitively once and for all, where does Tech stand in the Big 12? And if you're falling to TCU, I don't know who else you get by besides Kansas. But if you can get past TCU, and especially if you do it comfortably, you got Kansas up next, and then you're looking at Baylor and Kansas State and to some degree Oklahoma State and thinking, I have a chance to get through those guys. And I think you can find a couple of wins. Um, and maybe you get an upset against Iowa State or Oklahoma. You know, Maybe you get past one of those guys, finally get back to the old era of Tech upsets, but it has to start Saturday. I think Tech is better than TCU. I just got to see him prove it. You said four quarters of football. We need four quarters. We got the fast start finally. We just need to see sustained effort and attack for four quarters of football. And if they do that, I see no reason they can't get out on top on Saturday. So, same question to you, Kendall. You know, what's your prediction for the game? And what's your prediction overall for the year? I'm going to start off with my overall for the year. 
just because I have a little similar to say what you just said. But if Tech finds a way to win this game and they beat Kansas, there are three games on the schedule I thought at the beginning of the year that were extremely important, and I think they'll get even more important. And those three are Kansas State, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State. And I have circled those because they're all at home, and I definitely think all three of those games are winnable, but I don't see Tech winning them unless they pick up a win and have a lot of momentum going into that Kansas State game. Because I personally, I, I don't necessarily see Tech winning in Norman. It, but then again, the way o, OU's played this season, they've been so up and down that, you know, if we're going into that game at six and one or seven and one, even, I, I genuinely think we would give OU a good run. But th- that Iowa State and the Oklahoma State game, I think, will. De- those two games will define Tech's season and show if they've really, like, we obviously if we beat TCU, we've already shown we are not, like, that ninth team, but we're in that other tier. But if we can beat Iowa State or Oklahoma State or both of them at home, I think the ceiling for this team is obviously super high and it'll look really good for Matt Wells' future. But as far as this weekend's game... I I personally don't think that it's going to open up necessarily as a shooter. I think it could be a slugfest to start. But I personally think by the second half and both teams really get settled in, I can see this game going something like 31-27 Tech. Jack, same question to you. Your Your prediction for Saturday, and how do you think the season goes from here on out? Uh, so my prediction Saturday, uh, I know that, uh, Megan and I have a similar view on Max Duggan. We both think he's very bad. And I really just think that if tech focuses on the rush then, and those intermediate routes, as I talked about, then we can really kind of hold TCU to a less than stellar game. I think overall, this one probably goes. I'm going to predict kind of something similar to what Kendall said. I'm going to go with 35 to 24 Texas Tech. Uh, not a real blowout, but just somewhat comfortable. Um, moving on to the full year, I think this game is, as you mentioned, is a huge stepping stone. Uh, do we slip on it and fall face first, or do we really use it and plant and spring forward? I think that if you win by 11 points in this game, you know, you, you have a very good confidence boost going into Kansas, which you might need considering the last time we were in Lawrence, we lost. Um, and then after that, you know, you have, Kansas State at home, which is is a winnable game as long as they don't have Skylar Thompson and you focus on Deuce Vaughn. Um, after that, you know, you have that stretch of OU and Iowa State and Oklahoma State. Uh, I think I need to see something from Iowa State in order to like pretty much cement themselves towards the top with OU with OU. 
Uh, OU really hasn't shown me much either. I think Oklahoma State is one of the, if not the most overrated team in the Big 12 right now. As I said earlier, Spencer Sanders is terrible. He is absolutely horrible. Uh, The last time he played in Lubbock, he had four fumbles on his own. So I think that... uh, I think the Oklahoma State game is very winnable, regardless of what you do in these next couple of games. Even if you, I think, even if you lose by twenty in this game against TCU, I think you're still very able to beat Oklahoma State at home. Um, I do think Tech beats TCU, as I said, and I honestly think that, as you said, eight wins isn't out of the question. I think. Right now, your ceiling is probably nine. In between that eight and nine, kind of teetering, give or take. Um, I'm I'm content with around seven, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go seven and five right now, and probably play in the Texas Bowl in Houston. Hopefully, against LSU, get a little sweet redemption. That's all the time we have for today. This was a great episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be coming to you in some form next week, hopefully to discuss a big win against the TCU Horn Frogs. We might be able to go live again. It just depends on everybody's schedule right after the game. Keep your eyes peeled for that. As always, you can find us at, at the Homers Hub, or you can find us at Viva the Matadors. Um, in either situation, feel free to read the articles we read, listen to old episodes, or just message us on Twitter, comment on the posts, See what we're up to. Um, you know, we, we'd be happy to interact with you guys as much as you need. Uh, my name is Michael. I was with Jack and Kendall signing off for the night. Let's go wreck some frogs, boys.